the world is a mysterious place. From strange encounters, grisly murders, to unexplainable disappearances, there is no shortage of the unexplained all around us. Join us, and let's search for answers and the truth. Because we are the Mystery Canucks. Hello, friends, and welcome back to the show. We are the Mystery Canucks. I'm your host, Matt, and I am joined once again by my co-host, friend, amateur cryptozoologist, and Etsy-certified basket weaver, Justin. Hello, hello, hello. How is everybody doing? On the last episode, we investigated the Keddy Cabin murders. I hope it was insightful, opened a lot of eyes, and I hope you learned something. Justin learned what a claw hammer is. Yeah, so I'm not sure if anyone caught that on the last episode, but uh, I was under the impression that a claw hammer was a framing hammer and unfortunately made that mistake. Um, so yeah, I'd just like to correct that for anybody listening to that episode. At this point, you've heard us reference the Keddy Cabin murders as our first episode and might be thinking to yourselves, Mystery Canucks, where the hell is your first episode? Well, let's just say it's a mystery. Today, put your safari hats on because we are investigating an alleged wild animal. We are looking into the Mothman. Some of you may know about this. I sure as grew up hearing the stories. And some of you may know about it from that 2002 movie starring Richard Gere. Justin, what are your thoughts? On Richard Gere or the Mothman? I guess either. Was Richard Gere in, in Pretty Woman? I think he was, yeah. I think he was He was Julia Roberts's other... Yeah, he was pretty good in that movie. But uh, no, I actually haven't watched The Mothman Prophecies. I think my mom has. She really liked it. So it's actually based on a book about a guy who went to Point Pleasant during the Mothman sightings in the 60s, and he wrote about his experiences, although he did write a fiction novel. So it's not it's not necessarily true, but it's based on true events. Yeah, well, regardless, I'd like to point out that most of these sightings, well, at least the ones that we document, took place during the 60s, and um, a lot of people know what the 60s are known for, so... Take these sightings with a grain of salt. Lots of swinging. And drugs. With that said, let's get into it. It's the night of November 12th, 1966. And in a graveyard in Clendenin, West Virginia, five men are preparing a grave for burial. Suddenly, they hear rustling in the trees above them. Looking up into the night sky, they see an ominous creature. Flying above them, a winged beast, the size of a man and with a wingspan of at least 10 feet. The workers describe the creature as, quote, something evil, not animal, but humanoid in nature, end quote. And thus, the legend of the Mothman began. Why Mothman, you might ask? Well, we here at Mystery Canucks seem to believe that calling a terrifying, monstrous, winged humanoid the Butterfly Man might make it seem a tad less intimidating. So, yeah, I, I just want to point out that for, for a creepy cryptid, for some kind of evil creature, the first thing we hear about it is five dudes in a graveyard at night. Like that, that's perfect time for any kind of cryptid to show up. 
I mean, perfect time for anything to show up, really. Like, I mean, I don't spend my nights in graveyards, but I would imagine that a lot of things would probably go down. Do you think if we, we if we did some stats on this, we'd find that a lot of cryptids appear and the myth begins uh, if someone who was walking through a graveyard and saw something? I would argue, yeah. A, cr- uh, a crypt, graveyard, forest that may or may not be haunted, because as you know, most forests are. Something to that effect. Do you think that there's something psychological about being in a graveyard or being in some kind of spooky place um, that predisposes you to seeing or or un- subconsciously suggested to see more creepy things? So like a placebo effect? Yeah, that's that's basically what I'm getting at. Yeah, probably. I mean, I, I, I'm going to riff out for a second here and talk about Ghost Hunters. So if you've ever watched the show Ghost Hunters, despite them obviously and like empirically fudging a lot of their data and their quote-unquote sightings um you know doing an evp in an allegedly haunted place most of it is probably just static and you know they might hear something that could or or may or may not be wind and sounds like oh get out you know something stupid like that like it's it's kind of like how they see, people see faces on Mars and are like, aliens, bro. Like, it's just, it's pareidolia, it's psychological, it's probably, I mean, it could be aliens, because let's face it, but yep. as far as, you know, cryptids and creatures, unless we have, like, tangible evidence, chances are these legends started because someone was in a spooky place, you know, during a time where drug use would have been a lot more liberal and one thing led to another. Like, you never see something like, Little Jimmy was at the county fair on the bouncy castle when he looked up and hanging at the top of the bouncy castle was a <laughs> demonic <laughs> creature staring back at him. Oh, my God. In broad daylight, it's never... Yeah, it's always something spooky. Yeah, a lot of these... I think that, like, Nightfall is probably the one consistent thing in a lot of these sightings. Yeah, I mean, there's uh, the chupacabra comes at night to suck your blood, never during the day. So pe- the people of South America wake up, and their sheep the their sheep are found dead in the morning, and they see the blood has been sucked from their sheep. Fun fact about chupacabra. So when I was a kid, I watched, I forget what TV show it was, it may have been Monster Quest or something to that effect, uh, and they, they talked about one incident where... I guess a family or like the dad in the family woke up in the middle of the night because he heard a rustling coming from his baby's room and he went in and he saw the chupacabra on like the windowsill and it hopped out and the baby was fine but I guess it wanted to like murderize the child so being a dumb little kid I slept with the blankets like basically strangling me because I thought that that would protect me from potential chupacabra invasions <laughs> that's funny yeah I'm not I wasn't a smart kid I mean I'm still not a smart kid but you know whatever you know there's a uh, Rob Schneider film where he plays the animal I think it's called the animal it's literally the yeah, animal and yeah and he, he eats cows and stuff at night like a, like a little Rob Schneider chupacabra Rob Schneider is a chupacabra <laughs> in theaters this summer twiddly derpty dumb so my question for you is um, because humans sleep during the night like we're not nocturnal right so do you think in the world of nocturnal animals spooky stuff happens during the day for them like they wake up and there's like fire demons <laughs> like oh my god there's a fire demon in the sky like it was the worst thing I ever experienced. I wonder, I almost wonder if nocturnal animals see us and are like, the mythical, like, hairless friggin' pink monsters are coming back. Do you think if... Trampling our homes. Do you think if humans were nocturnal, that more of our mythology and more of the spooky things that, that we find scary and evil and whatnot would be um, focused on the daytime? Like, the night would be less scary and the daytime would be more scary? I would argue, yeah. Probably. I mean, if you look at human history, we are paranoid, superstitious, and just downright stupid. So, we will find something to be afraid of no matter what our surroundings and, like, whatever time of day it is. We will always find something to be afraid of. Like, I would not put it past someone who lives in a bubble to be afraid of, like, their own toenail clippings. Three days later, another sighting is reported. 
80 kilometers away in Point Pleasant, West Virginia. Two couples are driving along at night when suddenly a creature swoops down, illuminated from the light of their headlights. They claim it is the size of a man and covered in some kind of fur or possibly even feathers. With its inhuman, humanoid nature, 10-foot wingspan, and glowing red eyes terrifying these couples, who likely just wanted to drive around and blast music to piss off their neighbors. They accelerate faster, but report that the creature flew behind the vehicle at a high rate of speed, following them, chasing them, if you will, before disappearing into the night. Just building off of the whole psycho uh, psychological aspect of these sightings a lot of people in the world like myself who watch a lot of documentaries on cryptids and other mythology mythological creatures i can speak words seem to think that like well at least something that is reported that is a very common trait is that a lot of these monsters have like glowing either yellow orange amber or red eyes i i understand to an extent where that comes from because if you think of like a cat for example you know their eyes reflect in light most animals do actually and you know if these things are wild animals even if they are humanoid in nature which is scary as shit could you imagine like a, a humanoid cat like that that freaked me out i mean like outside of the elder scrolls but you know i was gonna say werewolves but then i realized they are lupine and not feline well, there is the Dogman of Michigan, I believe. The, the Dogman has over a thousand sightings. It's it's like ten times the amount of Mothman. And I'm pretty sure the Dogman has confirmed kills as well. Spooky. But in any event, one common theme that you're probably going to hear a lot on this show when we cover cryptids, especially if they are things that you would see in forests or graveyards or out your bedroom window good luck sleeping tonight um is red eyes or some sort of just glowing eye now i understand again it, it could be the fact that it is animalistic in nature but people often associate it with evil versus what it would literally be at that point if it is truly just an undocumented animal where it would just be like basic biology you know science bitch i think a lot of the time too um it's it's the kind of light that is being shone on these animals. Shone That's or shined. True. This isn't mystery grammar Canucks. This is, I think it's Sean. Anyways, I literally said mythology people or something like that. So like we're we're not well spoken <laughs> on this channel here. So yeah, it, if you're shining light on this on any creature's eyes, um, you're gonna get the red eye effect. You're probably gonna get some type of glowing effect because you're you're looking at it in from the reflection of their eyes. And I think that's that's where a lot of it comes from because otherwise you don't really see the animal. And I find it odd that people would somehow be able to see the eyes without any light reflecting off the eyes. So to me, it, it's always whatever light source is shining on their eyes is what causes that glow. Also, this is kind of a tangent, a sidebar, if you will. So I, I actually looked into, I'm pretty sure it was this case with uh, the couples who were just driving around. Um, they were in one car from what I gather they were actually in like some like industrial park or something like that like why would why would just you know I think that I'm assuming they're teenagers because teenagers are dumb as shit but like why the fuck would you be in like just like a like an industrial area like I'm not gonna drive to steel town in Hamilton and just drive around like steel mills because I'm bored on a Saturday night like well that's make out point because there's not going to be any anybody hanging out with you there. <laughs> there it's the swing in 60s. Two dudes got together like let's whatever. We'll swap girlfriends. We'll do we'll do it up in our I was going to say El Camino, but I don't even know if those were were out yet. But uh yeah, it was so it ended up being an old World War 2 munitions factory. They were driving around that area. So so you, you assume the factory. I mean, obviously haven't been to Point Pleasant. Um but the factory took up um multiple blocks or or it was large enough that it was an area that you could drive through known as the tnt area oh this was yo okay so if it was if it was like a munitions factory conspiracy time 
what if the government created the Mothman and was housing it in this facility and it got out? So a lot of these creatures, critters, demonic entities, otherwise known as cryptids, have some sort of origin story that involves science gone awry. You know, like like Dr. Ian Malcolm from Jurassic Park saying, your scientists were so preoccupied if they could, they didn't bother to ask themselves if they should. And it gets out and then terrorizes a certain area because it's an animal and has turf. It's kind of like the movie Splice. Oh my god, that was disturbing. It just made me hate Adrian Brody (laughs) so much. He was so good in The Pianist. Why did he have to do Splice? Oh, he's a pianist, all right. (laughs) Oh my god, watch that movie and then get back to us on whether or not, like, it just, you needed, like, eye bleach from that okay yeah start a hashtag adrian brody fucks aliens <laughs> it's not even really an alien though it's like a hybrid like a chimera just like a person chimera and not the mythological beast chimera lawrence gray a local school teacher reports that he awoke in the middle of the night to the creature standing over his bed When the creature noticed that he had awoken, it suddenly disappeared into thin air. He told reporters that its presence felt, quote, 100% evil, end quote. So I... I initially was going to make a joke about Lawrence Gray being the inspiration behind the novel Fifty Shades of Grey... But then I felt really bad because I'm I'm assuming he was like a, like he is a real person, but I'm assuming yep, he's Gray, like school teacher still in the world somewhere and is leading a happy life. And I don't really want to disturb that by associating him with that filth. So to Lawrence Gray, I, I just dodged you a bullet there. Well, yeah, he almost got Fifty Shades of Mothman. Let's hear the, <laughs> let's hear the rest of this story. Why this creature watched a grown man sleep is beyond us, but it's rather interesting that the creature simply and seemingly disappeared right before his eyes. Could this be yet another case of someone dreaming and believing it to be reality? Possibly. Remember, sleep paralysis is one hell of a drug. Over the course of the next year, there would be close to 100 sightings of the Mothman near Point Pleasant. In this time, UFO sightings also increased. Could these sightings be related? Maybe. If you want to reach farther in logic than most sensible people, you could argue that the Mothman is an alien in a winged suit, or even a drone piloted by the little green men in the UFOs zipping around the area. Those who saw the creature all reported the same thing. A humanoid figure with a 10-foot wingspan, glowing red eyes, and an inability to see other defining features, as if the creature was shrouded in darkness. Further, it would leave a sense of evil in its wake. Yeah, as if it's, you know, like a Dementor with wings and I guess red eyes because they don't have, they don't have faces. I just, I, I can't take its description seriously because where do they get moth from? I'm not, I'm not quite sure. A a lot of the first sightings say that it was coated in some kind of fur and or feathers. Um, I don't know who quite coined the term. Mothman, but uh, it it wasn't like it was a smooth beast, a smooth creature. It was uh, it was definitely like furry, feathery. It had some texture to it. Like its description sounds like a Batman villain. We'll meet again, Batman. You'll remember the name Mothman when I strike <laughs> again. Are we sure that's not a villain in, in DC or Marvel? There's got to be a moth. I feel like there would. Be, oh, there's yeah. Mothra. Well, Mothra is Godzilla. Yeah. Because, like, the way that I see it, 
is if you see something like that and it has wings like i i don't know if there's too much description into like the anatomy of the wings or at least visually what they look like uh because moths have very similar wings to butterflies like what if it was more like bat like where it almost looked like stretched skin you know what i'm saying and like the fur and stuff is you know that's that's interesting and uh if you guys watch the youtube video equivalent of this podcast in the intro there is like an artist rendition of the mothman and yeah it is it is furry but it almost has like you know more like bat-like or bird-like wings so I guess Mothman just kind of sticks because if you were to call it like the Birdman, like it, it sounds a little lame. It doesn't sound nearly as dangerous as Mothman. Well, moths aren't that dangerous. If it was like the flying tarantula man, I'd sh my pants because spiders are scary. But Mothman, I'm just like, it's an inconvenience. How is it that we have a fictional Spider-Man and we don't have a Spider-Man cryptid? Let me get back to you after I talk to my, my, my mad scientist friends. <laughs> These sightings would culminate with an event which allowed the Mothman legend to live on to this very day. On December 15th, 1967, the silver bridge that connects Point Pleasant to Gallipolis, Ohio, stretching over the Ohio River, had collapsed during rush hour traffic. 46 people lost their lives, and two of the bodies were never recovered. Some citizens of Point Pleasant reported that they saw the Mothman flying over the bridge the night before, leading some to believe that the creature acted as an apparent omen of disaster. Could this creature be the living personification of the Final Destination film franchise? Probably not, since the first film in the series would not be released for another 33 years. There are still Mothman sightings to this day, with the most famous occurring before catastrophic disasters, including Chernobyl and 9-11. If you have a minute, take a trip down to your friendly neighborhood Google search engine and look up the Black Bird of Chernobyl. Could this be the same creature seen in Point Pleasant? I actually did a little bit of Google Googling you know what's funny is that we host a mystery podcast. We're like, by the way, I actually did research on yeah, the project. Yeah, I, I, I took a trip to Wikipedia. <laughs> I did my job. <laughs> anyway, so I did my Googling, which sounds dirty, but it was actually quite safe, and found out that the Blackbird of Chernobyl is something that people correlate with the Mothman because of the similarities in its appearance at the Chernobyl facility shortly before the meltdown. I think the name the Blackbird of Chernobyl sounds a lot more intimidating than the fucking Mothman. Also, that's going to be the next... <laughs> that's going to be the next name of my grindcore band. Just for people in, in the audience. Expect to see that on, I don't know, Spotify in the near future. I'm not good at grindcore, but neither is the Blackbird of Chernobyl, apparently. But that's the thing, and it and it's... I mean, the differences are, I guess, in its appearance, because some people give it more of almost like a silver kind of sheen to its furry, feathery complexion, and others say that it was basically formless with just giant red eyes, as if it was Black Manta from the Aquaman series. But, oh... That makes my alien theory have a lot more credibility to it. Because, like, I mean, Black Manta's a comic book character, but, like, have you seen its helmet? Like, his helmet has just giant eyes. So what if it was, like, an alien wearing a helmet and a furry suit because reasons? Black Manta's helmet is way too damn big. I mean, what if it's, it's, it is something in a suit or, like, a drone and it's just designed that way you know like how people put flames on their cars because they think it'll make it go faster like what if they put feathers on it because they're just like ah it looks it looks big you should see it without the feathers it looks like a plucked turkey with big red leds in its face so you think it might be like an early wingsuit prototype 
Well, I mean, if you read the early, we're going to bring back Spider-Man in this. If you read the earlier Spider-Man comics, and I think even the more recent ones, I don't know if if the appearance has changed much. But if you look at the Vulture, for example, like his wings are metal, but he has like the signature Vulture, like turtleneck feather thing and wears just like I think his suit actually has green feathers, which again, you know what? This was back when super uh, superheroes wore spandex. And supervillains also wore spandex, which was probably good for fighting, but was kind of impractical in literally everything else. Like if you're if you're the vulture and you steal the Mona Lisa because he's in France for some reason, he uses his arms to fly. So how the hell does he carry it out? I don't have an answer to that question, but you, you got me thinking about the practicality of super suits. Do you think superheroes and or supervillains wear a cup? I would sure as fuck hope so. I used to play hockey, and I I took a slap shot in the Nards, and wearing a cup potentially could have saved me from, you know, a lot of pain and suffering. And I mean, I, I, I still went through a lot of pain and suffering, but it could have been tenfold. Look, if you elephantitis and you're left new here for, <laughs> like, for a week. Oh my god, I'd be like Randy Marsh from that one episode of South Park. That's exactly what it feels like. In 2003, Point Pleasant unveiled a 12-foot-tall statue of the Mothman, and every September, they host an annual Mothman Festival. They even have Mothman-themed food, which is totally not weird at all. I implore everyone in... Everyone listening, look up some of the food that you can get during this Mothman Festival. I think some of the stuff that they have, like some of these restaurants will do things year-round. But I actually saw this for the first time in an episode of BuzzFeed Unsolved. Shout out to Ryan and Shane. But it's literally just like a pizza and they use food to do art. Except it's like a really crudely, I guess, drawn with food version of the Mothman. It's still, I mean, I don't know if it if it would taste good. I don't really, I can't really eat pizza because, like, lactose intolerancy. But, yeah. Like, would you, would you want a pizza with your face on it? Like, what if the Mothman saw that? Would he be insulted? Man, I, I actually would be pretty excited. I, one of my favorite things in the world is what it's called white pizza or dry pizza. So you just, like, put a little Parmesan, and uh, there's no tomato sauce on it. But if you could somehow slide that pizza under like some kind of CNC machine, but it wasn't a CNC machine, it was just like a laser or like some kind of torch, and it would just like torch a picture like a like a laser jet printer, and it would torch that onto the surface of the pizza, and then you could get pizzas with custom pictures on them. I think I just patented a, a million dollar idea that that restaurant's going to be in Times Square, and you're going to go there. They're going to take a picture of you when you walk in. And they're going to give you a pizza with your face on it, scorched into the cheese. Or Someone bread. call Elon Musk. He'll get it. He'll make it happen. Because that's what I'm thinking of. Like, just thinking back to Ketty, we were making fun of the the concept art era, upside down candy corn shaped heads of our villains. You know, what if what if it was just like the worst picture ever that you see on like a pizza or like those... um those ice cream bars like the like the popsicles that are shaped like spongebob and they never look like the picture when you pull it out it's like one of those freaks of science where it's just like kid me it's like deep fried spongebob meme face on a on a spongebob pretty much on a spongebob sorbet popsicle so that's the thing like what if mothman just popped into town one day you know put his his trench coat fedora and like sunglasses on walked into town i mean that's what every incognito like the ninja turtles did that so he walks into town, you know, goes up to the cashier. He learned English somehow and goes, one, one pizza, please. And they pop it out and he looks at it and like flips the table over like, this is a travesty. Okay. Number one, I found out the name of that restaurant. It's going to be called Pizza Face. <laughs> yes. Number two, why did, why does Mothman have Bane's voice? Is he a big guy? No, but he will be played by Tom Hardy in the made for TV <laughs> movie about his life. You have a. Large wingspan. <laughs> Large for you. Yeah. Pizza face. Just someone, please, for the love of God, don't tell Mark Zuckerberg. 
he'll find a way to harvest your data and sell it. Oh my gosh. And then that's when Pizza Face gets bought by Facebook. And every time they take a picture of you for the pizza face, it becomes Pizza Facebook. And then you just get uploaded and, and doxxed. People push like ads. It's just like, try our new three cheese mozzarella blend of cheeseness. I don't know. You have to sign in with Facebook to actually order a pizza. Oh, uh, no. Have, you, have you ever signed inside. in with Facebook to anything? Probably a long time ago. I, I basically never use Facebook anymore, so... Oh, neither do I. But there's news sites where it's like, sign into Facebook if you want to read this article. Yeah, I... Uh, that's... We may or may not have just created a monster. See, we the real monster is Pizza Face, not Mothman. In 2005, the Mothman Museum and Research Center opened in hopes of cataloging and discovering more about the elusive creature. The Mothman was even featured in a 2002 film titled The Mothman Prophecies and starring Richard Gere. Remember Richard Gere? We here at Mystery Canucks do. In any event, the movie was almost as bad an experience as seeing the terrifying Mothman in person. So, what do you think the Mothman is? Give us your closing thoughts on the Mothman. Before I do that, I, I just, I had a thought, just one, they come one at a time, they take a number. Have you ever noticed that with a lot of these cryptids, I guess more of the prolific ones, you know, Bigfoot, I'm sure Nessie has one, um, Mothman, there's probably a something Chupacabra related in like New Mexico or something. They all have some sort of research facility or like team of dedicated researchers who investigate these sightings you know they'll compile evidence they'll get fingerprint no not fingerprints footprint casts and shit like that like um i forget what the bigfoot one is called um but there is the bigfoot one and, and i think that one is actually just like more global it's not just point pleasant but it begs the question people work for this thing are what what do you like what do you go to school for like i'm assuming some sort of zoology maybe biology what would you go to school for you know like i went to school for computer science can i can i investigate the mothman with you like probably i mean i i i'm an animator and i was able to compile notes on this in my free time so anyone can do anything and nowadays i think it's probably a volunteer position funded by donations or it's a guy who has a little bit of disposable income and he's just keeping the, the museum open on his own. Oh my god, it's like... Crap, I forget his name. Robert Bigelow. Some of you might know that name. So he bought Skinwalker Ranch. So this kind of ties in what you're saying. So he was he's a billionaire. I don't know if he's still a billionaire. Um, people like to spend money. But he bought Skinwalker Ranch, which is a paranormal UFO... There were, like, Bigfoot sightings, Skinwalker sightings, like, all this crazy shit went down. And he bought this facility with the intention of researching it, like you just said. So it's almost like... It's almost like how Bruce Wayne... We're, we're just gonna run with this whole Batman theme today, folks. It's almost like Bruce Wayne has his kind of, like, vault of skin... I'm sorry, he's not... He's not uh, he's not Buffalo Bill. Bruce Wayne has a <laughs> vault of skin, and that is your episode, folks. <laughs> See, I told you, I only have one thought. As soon as it leaves me, uh, there's room for another one, and if it doesn't pop in, it's just empty space. But no, he has, like, a vault of, like, secrets on Justice League members, villains, whatever, whatever, whatever. So he could realistically consider that his facility, because he is a billionaire. I'm sure Tony Stark and, like... You know, other other like Professor X and other members of the Marvel universe or even the DC universe who have disposable income. I'm sure Lex Luthor probably has something like that when he's not busy trying to buy Facebook. And they just have this this compilation of evidence and all this shit and secrets and not secrets and potential identities of various heroes and villains. So that is basically the equivalent of these facilities. So I'm I'm assuming the Bigfoot one is probably more volunteer based whereas the mothman one could realistically go either way i mean i don't know if anyone famous is from point pleasant 
I didn't really know Point Pleasant was a place. I thought it was a fictional city. Like, I'm not going to lie. Before I started looking into the Mothman when I was younger, I thought it was like a city that you'd make up for like a movie. Because it sounds like a movie town. If the Mothman exists, and it would be really freaking cool if it exists. Like, I, I love cryptids because, one... You know, like, if something like Bigfoot exists, that's fairly tame. It's just a large, humanoid, ape-like, human-like hybrid that's covered in hair. You know, that's pretty tame. If something like the f***ing Chupacabra exists, that is nightmare fuel at its finest. And I think the Mothman would kind of fit somewhere in between. So that's the first thing. The second thing is, like, if they exist... It begs the question, like, what else exists? You know, like, people speculate that Megalodon's still alive. And that was the basis of the movie, The Meg, starring Jason Statham, playing Jason Statham. Where they go down into, I believe, the Mariana Trench and encounter Megalodon that was basically just eating giant colossal squids in the Mariana Trench. So... Based on that, you know, we, we're discovering new species every day. I mean, a lot of them are insects and probably, like, small frogs and shit like that. You know, I remember when they discovered, I think it was a new monkey or, like, a sloth or something, like, a few years ago. The internet lost its collective minds. Mostly because it's the internet and they lose their minds over everything. Remember when Kim Kardashian broke the internet? Quote, unquote. So, if Mothman is real, my first question, sorry, my first impression would be, Cool! Also, oh, shit. but then my second question would be, what else is out there? I think, yeah, that's probably the most interesting part of, of cryptids is is knowing that if they exist, what caused them to exist and, and what else has it caused to exist? We here at Mystery Hunters subscribe to evolution. Sorry. So given that notion... Was it created? Like, did did some mad scientist, you know, put Jim Everyman in a tube and a moth in another tube and hit a switch and it was basically Jeff Goldblum from The Fly and it they got merged into, like, some weird hybrid monster? Or did it evolve? Okay, so this is my, this is my actual educational background coming in. So evolution, the way evolution works is it's gradual change over time exerted by the environment. So animals don't decide to change to the environment. The environment forces them to change by killing off the ones that are unfit. Sounds rather aggressive. Yeah, so so the way it would work is is a man wouldn't just wake up one day and have evolved wings. Like, you're not going to be some, some Joe Schmo in, in Brooklyn, New York, and you just wake up and you have wings one day. Like, <laughs> How cool would that be, though? It would scare the shit out of you at first. And you'd probably die on your first attempt at flying because you'd have no clue how to do it. Yeah, well, I mean, okay. So, in, in, realistically, it would suck because the chances of you just being born with a fully functional set of wings that could actually make you fly is is 0%. It's, it's not going to happen. So, what would happen is the first guy to grow a set of wings, for whatever reason, why he has a set of wings, I don't know. Um, but he would have nubbins at first. And they would have to be useful. And then he would have to spread his seed and keep spreading his seed until more babies with nubbins were born. And eventually the babies with the biggest nubbins would survive more than the babies with the small nubbins and keep breeding with other humans with nubbins. And eventually, over the course of thousands of years, then you would probably get humans with wings. I don't know if they would be functional. So that's... When when it comes to these creatures, like, my thought on these are always that it's it's some kind of creature that might have been left behind like i know um, when people talk about nessie they think it might have been a pleosaur that somehow survived or they talk about um the jersey devil might be um some kind of bat it's usually another terrifying creature and not in evolution and as far as science experiments goes like we have some pretty advanced techniques like crispr and, and things like that like ways to inject dna into a person and actually change their genome but we don't have the technology to inject something into a human's genome as a fetus and, and have it with fully functional wings. Like, because we also don't have the gene to create feathers. We don't have the gene to like grow the muscles that you would need to actually control those wings. So it's, it's so multifaceted. Um, there's no way, there's no way it would have evolved 
And you also have to think of evolution in terms of like breeding populations. Like you can't sustain a population on two or three individuals. So if Mothman was an evolution of a creature, that would mean that Mothman, there had to have been, I don't know, depending on the creature, it, right? Because every creature breeds differently. Um, but there would have to be like, let's say they, they were like humans, one offspring every nine months. There'd have to be like 50 or 60 Mothmen for it to sustain its population long enough to have evolved. I'm sorry. All I could think of was your nubbin speech and like <laughs> just just in like, you know, a hundred thousand years, there's going to be like it's not going to be Tinder. It's going to be like nubbin Tinder. And you're going to swipe left or right based on the size of your your potential partner's nubbins. Well, think about gene editing and, and people nowadays who use the term biohacker. Now, think about in like 200 years, if the sun doesn't kill us all. There's going to be people who like were born in a test tube and there's no possible, they're immune to AIDS, they're immune to cancer. Like insurance companies are going to be like, yeah, well, I'll insure that guy. I'm not going to insure this Joe Schmo who didn't, who couldn't afford genetic editing. And then there's people who are going to want, like, I want claws. Like there, there's a way, there's got to be a way to, to get claws. And then there's people who are going to be like, well, I want to date someone who also has claws. And then their offspring will more than likely also have claws i have a leopard tail do you want a leopard tail do you have a leopard tail swipe what is it swipe right i should know these things (laughs) i never use tinder (laughs) and it's funny too because you know you watch a lot of series like sci-fi sci-fi horror um even just straight horror or thrillers or you know comedies whatever like genres aren't really specific to this but where they involve genetic engineering, what you would call biohacking. My first thought goes immediately to, I forget what his name is, but the guy from South Park who, like, created the five-assed monkey. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, like, the five-assed turtle or some shit like that. And, um, <laughs> and, and the kids are like, why would you do that? And he's like, are you saying you want a seven-assed monkey? Like, okay, cool. <laughs> but I do investigate things like this on the side and just because you know like on reddit like i'll I'll pull up something and it'll say you know like the whole thing with crispr it's really cool to think that i mean it's cool and also really creepy because they call them designer babies which is like i'm sorry they're gonna have like instead of a belly button it's the gucci emblem um but like you said like you're gonna be able to to fine tune your baby based on you and your partner's DNA and you could say okay well I have a history of high blood pressure okay cancel that you know you have a history with breast cancer okay cancel that and your babies like they're literally going to be like super people I think I think this will be a theme pretty much on on every cryptid episode we have and I think it's good we had this discussion early because uh yeah I I think for those reasons if if we're going to ask about whether this creature was evolved or created in a lab I'm going to go ahead and say, for the most part, almost all cryptids were, were not created in a lab and not evolved. And uh, that's for that reason. I think the Mothman is something that, if it does exist, um, would would exist naturally in the world. I almost wonder, because a lot of people say that it's humanoid in nature, but what if that's almost just like an illusion? Like, you know how, you know how cuttlefish can, can mask their appearance based on their surroundings to avoid predators? What if the Mothman isn't actually humanoid and it just has the appearance of being humanoid, but like its arms aren't really functional and they're just like, like nubbins and it's got, you know, its legs are its only functioning organ other than its wings or like appendage, I should say. Like that, that's kind of interesting because like you said, it could be a creature that's left behind. What if it was like... I don't know, some some undocumented, you know, ancient species that survived somehow in like a cave in Timbuktu nowhere and doesn't actually like it doesn't have arms, but they're just kind of like flaps that look like arms because we're stupid and we would just assume that it's arms because we see shit that isn't normally there. Case in point, Jesus in bread. So I almost I almost think that it it if we are to believe that it exists and it is something that was lost to time and is only now kind of coming into the limelight. Well, I mean, I say coming into the limelight now, but it's been what, like 53 years since it was first sighted. 
So it's kind of interesting to think because it, it, like we might see it as a humanoid, but it might not be. It might just be what, that might just be what we interpret it as. It would also be bad shit. Looney Tunes if it was like some Lovecraftian monster and that's basically the closest our mind can approximate without it breaking because because the human mind is very fragile right so what if it is just like something that is so beyond our comprehension like an alien for example like it's just so beyond the realm of comprehension for us that it just it would break our minds. So, you know, it might not be fur, it might not be feathers, that could be its skin, but we're calling it fur or feathers because that's the closest we can we can relate to it. You know, and its eyes. It might not be eyes. Like that that could be just like you know, like a like a lighthouse feature on its head and its and its eyes are actually in its in its balls and its feet aren't actually feet, they're its hands and like it could be some weird you know, alien critter from the Zeta Reticuli system. And because of its appearance, that's how we see it. So this leads into the plausible theories for the Mothman, in which, okay, I'll tell you the first one, which I don't believe at all. It doesn't really make sense. Um, There's some animal biologists that believe the Mothman was an owl, a large owl, um, but... With a 10-foot wingspan that yeah, stood uh, over 7 feet tall. Th- the smallest reported wingspan for the Mothman is about 6 feet. So it's still a massive wingspan. There are pretty big owls out there. So there there are large owls. But in terms of body size, I don't really think you could, you could mistake even a 3-foot tall owl as a humanoid creature with a 10-foot wingspan. I think it's... Um, and you would recognize the call of the owl too. Um, so this leads into what's probably more likely, which I don't know if I necessarily believe it, but you need to look up a greater sandhill crane. So what they think is is it was a sandhill crane. If you go on YouTube and search up sandhill crane calls, you'll find a bunch of videos. You don't want to see the calls in unison because it's usually like a multiple sandhill cranes and they, they don't stop calling. But if you find a clip, I think it was a second or third video, um, it's a sand, single sandhill crane, and it's letting out um, just just a like a letting out a single call, and it's it's super creepy, super duper creepy. It's very scary and ominous if you take it out of context. And sandhill cranes they stand about five feet tall, so not quite not quite as tall as you would expect this creature to potentially be. Like five feet, still pretty short. Um, but they do have a wingspan in the range of what we're looking for. They also have a red tuft of fur on the top of their heads. So what I don't get is how anybody missed the beak, how anybody missed the flapping of wings, because it is a crane, so it does need some runway to take off. Um, and at the same time, we're talking about Point Pleasant in West Virginia. Now, the Greater Sandhill Crane is mostly found along the Missouri River which is about two states west of where the Mothman was sighted. Typically, they migrate south for the winter, and they don't really fly into West Virginia. You could find lesser sandhill cranes in West Virginia, but they're not nearly as large as the greater sandhill cranes. I was going to say, you don't see them hopping on like a Greyhound bus and taking the trip into West Virginia to partake in some Mothman pizza. <laughs> so what, what animal biologists theorizes that it was a sandhill crane that kind of I don't know went crazy or got lost on migration and got stuck in West Virginia and uh, that's why it was there in December okay so that makes that makes sense for West Virginia at least but what how could you explain that with regards to well at the very least Chernobyl because with the 9-11 one I've seen I've seen the uh, the purported pictures that people have taken of the alleged critter and most people actually correlate it to an angel versus the Mothman, which you could argue either way, but at least that's still in the United States. Like, how would you equate that in Russia or uh, Ukraine, I guess? So I don't really, I don't know how to answer that question other than I, I really don't believe it was a Sandhill Crane because... Yeah, that makes fir- no sense to me. The first sightings are November 1966. 
So if this is a, a, a crane that's missed its migration cycle, that crane had to somehow survive through the winter and then survive through another summer in 1967 and then was spotted again in December of 1967. So somehow that crane missed two migration cycles and then, I don't know, died or whatever. And that's why, you know, the Mothman sighting sort of dropped off after the bridge collapse. But it's, it, it is odd that UFO sightings increased. I think there's no, absolutely no way it was a sandhill crane in Europe. Although sandhill cranes, for whatever reason, they do fly off course. There've been sightings of sandhill cranes in China and in Western Europe. So they've found sandhill cranes in the UK. But yeah, it's. I don't really know how to explain the Blackbird of Chernobyl, but it it it's such a similar myth. Yeah, that that obviously this is why we we have the show because there's no way to tell. So just building off the whole alien thing, in my experience watching documentaries that cover alien abductions, watching just YouTube videos that cover it as well, some abductees, alleged abductees, we will probably cover this in a later video. I said video, but there won't be a video. I mean there will be a video, but it's like a video companion with only audio. Semantics, am I right? But They, uh, well, not they as in every abductee, but a lot of them who are at least lucid or are, you know, they go through that whole regressive hypnosis thing like Justin Smart from the last episode. And they recount when it's not like horrifying medical procedures, they will recount how whatever the alien might look like took them on almost like a tour as if it's like the MoMA inside their facility and at one point or another it shows them some sort of you know hologram or video or some sort of feed that showcases our eventual collapse of society or the world ending or catastrophe or nuclear war whatever you might you know whatever way you might concoct that will blow ourselves up and it's usually as some sort of warning because a lot of these people who come back and talk about their experiences will say yeah like they basically said we need to get our shit together and that's why they abduct people is so that they can take part of our genes or like they can do medical experiments on us to take our dna so that they could potentially save our species while also warning us to then go tell people so that we don't you know so so people will listen and we won't blow ourselves up The only thing that sucks about that, if it is to be true, (laughs) is that if that does happen, people are just going to be like, we're not going to believe you. I'm going to continue building things that can kill people. So if the Mothman is an alien, I would almost correlate it with the increase in UFO sightings. And I would almost put it in that kind of box relating to how it's seen as almost like a harbinger of doom and an an omen for bad things to come, similar to how these select abductees will recount how aliens basically warn them of things to come. I just incepted your minds. So I think if we're not going to go with the sandhill crane, and I truly believe it's not a sandhill crane, because nowhere does it mention the long neck, and if you look at a sandhill crane, it's about 60% body, 40% legs. I was going to say, too, and like, the Mothman, if you see, like, all of the artist renditions, even the statue in Point Pleasant, like, it's built. Like, it's like Dwayne the Rock Johnson with red eyes and wings if you and see no a, Samoan tattoo. If you see a crane at night, there's no way you're going to see those stick legs and, and misinterpret them for, for humanoid legs. Like, it's pretty obvious it's a bird. Probably still scare the shit out of you, but, you know. So, I, that's, honestly, I, I believe it could be an alien. Yeah. I think... I think it's entirely plausible. I think that it makes more sense than it being a bird that everyone has seen. Yeah, I, I would argue that as well. I want to believe that there are cryptids. You know, Bigfoot actually makes a lot of sense, or even the Yeti, or the Yowie, or the Skunk Ape, or like any humanoid ape-like creature could be, like the the leading theory is that it's um, like a tribe of gigantic gigantopithecus i can speak words you should have heard me pronounce some of the city names 50 times before i got the take right in this in this segment but 
it's a family of Gigantopithecus that either migrated from Asia or was, you know, off the land bridge and it did all this stuff and, and just got lost to time and, you know, humans developed and evolved and it basically stayed the same in the forest doing its thing, you know, eating trees and punching pigs in the face probably and, and you know, that's why it, it's still, like, that's why it is the way it is. But I'm still largely skeptical of a lot of these cryptids because, especially with how interconnected the world is now, and with how much technology you can cram into, like, a 5-inch phone, and with how good camera and video processing technology has come since, even with the Patterson footage in, uh, I think it was, like, 1954 or something like that, 64, you would imagine that we would have some sort of tangible proof, even in just video evidence. Now, I understand there may be tangible video evidence that people are just calling a hoax and at that point you know the the video taker would have to it would the burden of proof would be on them to prove that it's real but you would almost imagine that there would be you know like carcasses that you would find or there would be because like unless these things are biologically immortal they gotta die at some point i hate to break it to you but everything dies except twinkies but that's that's kind of why I'm very skeptical about cryptids. Same goes for ghosts. Like, I want to believe that ghosts are real, demons, whatever. But it's very hard to be 100% on board without some sort of tangible proof that can, without it, you know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, prove that it's real. When it comes to aliens, statistically, they probably exist. In our galaxy, maybe not. In our solar system, almost, like, it's almost 0%. Like, there might be, like, microbial life. I mean, if you've seen Europa Report, good movie, by the way, I actually really liked it. The final scene of the movie, spoiler alert, by the way, I'm going to spoil, I think it's like a four or five year old movie for you. The final scene in that movie, I guess they, I think it's like a drone or something goes into the ice of Europa and is intercepted by what would be like a giant squid but it's using bioluminescence and it's it's would you call it skin like do squids have skin what would their like they, blubber be they have a dermis yeah they they definitely have like like an epidermis a dermis and so that would be like it in the movie it's black with like bioluminescent suction cups so it's like it's squid like because it it evolved underwater under the ice in pitch darkness so, I, I mean, that could happen in our solar system. I, I don't know. I doubt it. I feel like microbial life is what we're going to find, in our solar system at least. Proof of aliens, in my opinion, will come in the form of, like, a radio transmission or some sort of message through some type of radiation or light or something like that. If, in the extremely small chance, aliens do exist in our solar system or even existed before us in this solar system it's entirely plausible that the mothman is one of them and that kind of is why i think it could be either a drone you know like if you if you look at the whole gray alien thing where it's like the almond head the almond eyes no nose or like slit nose tiny mouth either holes for ears or no ears like, people think that those are, like, drones. Like, one of the leading theories is that they're drones, that they're robots. Being piloted by aliens who might look entirely different, who might not, who are just making them look like them because they're, like, super narcissistic. So I almost think that the, the Mothman is probably, if, if aliens are real, and if they exist in our solar system, the Mothman, if the Mothman exists, is an alien that's either a drone being piloted by something on a ufo or by the ufo itself because technology is weird and that could explain why the sightings increase around that time in the area that the mothman was spotted or it's an alien itself wearing some sort of suit or it's or it literally is just the alien and that's what it looks like and like i said it just breaks our mind to the point where we just associate it with the closest thing we can relate it to which would be a bird or a moth or like a giant owl maybe all three nature's weird things like to get freaky you guys ever hear about the birds and the bees so 
Yeah. I, I think, uh, yeah, that's a good point. I think my, my final hang-up on the Mothman is what do you think is more plausible? That in over 100-plus sightings of the Mothman, not a single person could say, hey, uh, this thing looked like a, like a bird, like a heron or a crane. Or that an alien creature, because this is, this is where I get my hang-up on aliens, was able to survive for, let's say, at least a year on Earth, and that alien creature had evolved on a, on a different planet to breathe oxygen. Because it's entirely plausible, yeah. I because guess. we're assuming that, that the life was able to just survive for a year without catching any diseases while breathing our same atmosphere at the same levels of nitrogen, oxygen, O3, all that kind of stuff. Um, that's my hang-up. So I think, I think it's... As silly as it is, cranes exist, but I think it's more plausible that it was a, a creature that uh, we haven't discovered yet. So I want to pass the question off to whoever's listening to this right now look into the blackbird of russia or the blackbird of chernobyl i need to learn how to be a human um did i just out myself as an alien maybe i mean no i didn't wait till we do the lizard man episode (laughs) featuring yours truly we're both lizard men yeah i mean i well if you've watched my twitch streams you know what i look like but how do you know that i actually look like that but what if, if you, in your research into the Blackbird of Chernobyl, there were, like, heightened, or at least, like, an increase in UFO sightings in that area around the time of the disaster? I, I didn't do any investigating into that. I just looked into Mothman. So, if we are to believe that it's an alien... I mean, it, it is plausible that it could have just, you know, called its alien Uber and carted over to Chernobyl and chilled there for a few years. And then, you know, the reactor malfunctioned. Then it picked up in its Uber and it, you know, flew off into the sunset or just went somewhere else in the world probing butts. So tweet at us at Mystery Canucks. I just lied to you at Canucks Mystery. I always get that wrong. And let us know if there were an increase in UFO sightings in not necessarily the Chernobyl area specifically, but at least in kind of a radius around that area. Because that would really add a lot of credibility to the fact that it could potentially be an alien. Assuming that they are one and the same, that Mothman and the Blackbird of Chernobyl are the same creature. Or at least, like, similar species or the same species and are just, you know, Joe Schmo and Bob Schmo from across the pond. But I just think that it would, like, it would open the door to a lot more credibility. Especially if I always come back to the young adults thing. If you're a teenager, you're a young adult. Let's be real. Teenagers are some of the meanest people on earth. Like they will they will point out shit and be accurate with it. So if they see the Mothman, even if it is dark, cuz apparently it was fully illuminated by its headlights. Like they saw it in the headlights of their car. So you know, if you're if you're like 16 for example or 17 or 18, you're going to make out point near the old TNT factory for reasons and you see something and it's a crane or it's a big owl and you go to police because it attacked your car because you're invading its territory my first thing as a 16 year old would say it's a big bird even if it's an owl or if it was a bat I would say it was like a bird or a bat or an owl like I would be explicit even if I was in hysterics the fact that they were able to say it was not a bird like it had feathers or fur or something, you know, five grown ass men saw it all at the same time and all said the same thing. You know, a hundred plus sightings all saying very similar things. Now, to that end, I will say that people are, people are dumb and people, the, the mind works in mysterious ways where you will, if you see something reported 
you know, you might be more predisposed to see it because of that. That's where I tend to lean. That's why I think it's an alien. That's why I think it's more likely to be something unknown versus something like a bird. Because we know what birds are. Even even undiscovered birds. We might see something that we've never seen before, but it is a f- bird still. Watch now that we said this, you know, two years from now, CNN's going to report like Mothman's been found. It's a new rare species of bird that can grow to be up to seven feet tall. We're like, all right, cool. I guess it was a bird after all. F- my, my final closing remarks here. Uh, just a quick story because you talked about uh, the teens in the car seeing Mothman and, and not knowing what it was. So just super quick story about a, a friend of mine. We were on a, a coach bus on our way back from a hockey tournament. And we're driving along on the highway. This is the Ontario Highway. There's nothing around. We're in the middle of, of nowhere. And uh, we're all just looking ahead of ourselves when we hear a loud bang. And then we look at the front windshield and there's a giant crack, giant spiderweb crack where something had flown into the windshield. It was big, something big, something black. We were right into the windshield and uh, we're 90% sure it was a crow. Uh, I think the beak was still stuck in the windshield. Oh, sh! And uh, yeah, it was a huge, huge crack. Like we hit it going like 120 or whatever. That's like something out of Looney Tunes where Daffy Duck loses his beak and has to like surgical tape it back to his face. Yeah, it's, that's exactly what what it was like. It, it was it was crazy, um, and it was super loud too, like deafening. And so whatever, I I didn't have my phone on me, but we were getting close to home, and uh, a friend of friend of mine on the hockey team goes to call his mom and say, "Hey, we're we're almost home. You know, just make sure you're there to pick me up." And then she probably asks him, like, "Hey, so how'd the tournament go?" Blah blah blah. And we can't hear her side of the phone, but all we can hear is his side of the phone. And he goes, yeah, tournament went well. Yeah, we're just on the bus now. Yeah, mom, we hit a pterodactyl with the bus. <laughs> and and then he's like pausing, 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 silence. And he goes, yeah, no, mom, I know pterodactyls are extinct. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh uh, my God. Just, you, you had to know the guy. The fact that his mom thought that he thought pterodactyls still existed. So someone, someone call the regressive hypnotist that uh, dealt with Justin Smart and see if he was accurate. He may, he may have dreamt it. Dreamt it. I can speak words. That's my, my final closing remarks. And uh, appreciate it. This is a good episode. Good talk, boy. Sweet. What do you think? Is the legendary Mothman real? Or is it just the product of mass hysteria and overactive imaginations? stemming from the swing in 60s. And if the Mothman is real, then what is it? And why is it spotted near disaster sites before shit hits the fan? Thank you so much for tuning in. We are the Mystery Canucks. If you'd like to get in contact with us, follow us on Twitter at Canucks Mystery or send us an email at mysterycanucks at gmail.com. We publish a new episode wherever podcasts can be found every Tuesday. And remember, the world is full of mystery.